Welcome to the fifth episode of season two of the Dead Serial Podcast. I'm your host, LJ. Today, I'm sitting down again with Heather Caston. Heather was my first guest on season one of the podcast. She's a paralegal and record manager. However, we're going to focus more on her time spent as a victim advocate with the Salt Lake City Police Department, as well as a counselor with the WYCA Battered Women's Shelter. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month at my website, deadserialpodcast.com. In the bio for this episode, as well as the last time I had Heather on, there are resources. If you are somebody that needs help in a domestic violence situation, please know there's people like Heather out there to help you and help hopefully guide you out of that situation. Uh, without further ado, I'm really excited to get going with Heather and, and see what she has to share with us. Heather, welcome back. How are you? Thank you so much, LJ, for having me back. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Uh, although it's not my most favorite topic, it is one definitely that I am passionate about, so I appreciate the opportunity. No, I appreciate you being willing to come back, and it's not a favorite topic of mine, but I feel that I still need to understand this subject better and try to share awareness on this subject with people. And like I mentioned on the first episode that you were on 19 episodes ago, you're kind of my guinea pig, so... (laughs) (laughs) thank you for being willing to come back and share some information on this I know you've been out of this line of work if you will for quite a while but um, again you're the most experienced and knowledgeable person I know on this topic October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month the floor is yours what would you like to share with us thanks it is um, yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of uh... There's a lot of causes that have a month now, and uh, yes, there are. <laughs> at uh, it, it, this just happens to be one that I am very passionate about, and uh, I have some experience in, and uh, it is one that I do like to continue to also bring awareness about. So, uh, I thought I would, you know, chat with you tonight about um, kind of what's what's up and coming, what's new. Uh, what is, you know, what's going on, and uh, then I'd talk a little bit about some practical information that I don't think we talked about last time. Last time we talked a lot about the psychology, and then... Um, we did. And then I thought we'd talk a little bit about um, just what's changed in the world. Like, have we made a difference? Does it count? Does anybody care? Is the human civilization <laughs> as a whole doomed, or are th- is there hope? Yeah, in, in this <laughs> arena, at any rate. Nice. So uh, I thought I would start off with just uh, one of the things that I, I found that was really interesting was um, uh, some definitions that are kind of, uh, you know, domestic, domestic violence and the Violence Against Women Act is going on almost 25 years. It was enacted in September of 1994. President Bill Clinton, I believe. Clinton, yep. That came, that was actually made an act under his presidency. Um, And since it's been talked about for so long, and it was so um, particularly hyped throughout most of the 90s and uh, even into the early 2000s, but uh, it's it's kind of developed its own vocabulary. And uh, so one of the things I just thought I would kind of share is a couple of a couple of terms that I think are interesting or definitions or buzzwords, if you will. Okay. But, uh, you know, I thought for the edification of us all, I would I would start with the basics, and that is the, the definition of domestic violence. Please. And domestic violence is a 
Maybe if I can read <laughs> as I've gotten older. Holy cremolis. Let's share some more light. Let's shed some more light on this. <laughs> Domestic violence is a pattern of coercive controlling behavior that can include physical, emotional, psychological, sexual, or financial abuse. It is a pervasive life-threatening crime that affects millions of individuals across the United States, regardless of age, economic status, race, religion, or education. So that's a pretty concise definition, and I feel like okay. that covers, you know, a lot of what we talked about. Well, and I, I would agree with that, and I think that the only thing I wouldn't agree with that definition is it's stated primarily in the country, but this is a worldwide issue and topic. Yes, it is. Right. This is probably a, um, this is probably a United States, it's not a world organization website that I'm quoting from. That's you fine. are correct. I just wanted to clarify. Thank you. <laughs> I, 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 I respect that. Thank you very much. Uh, the other thing, so one of this, one of the, I thought this was really unique because this particular website gave or is promoting a definition a day within this vocabulary. And today is uh, October 11th. It's also my sister's birthday. Happy birthday, Kira. Um, happy birthday, Kira. I don't know you, but <laughs> happy birthday. <laughs> uh, October 11th's definition is gaslighting. And uh, gaslighting is really... A unique phenomenon and it's it's cropping up again left and right not only in social media but sort of as a you know a buzzword on the internet as well well and you enlightened me last time we sat down as to what gaslighting was and yeah. gave me an example of that so very yeah. fitting yeah so today that's today's definition but I thought this was kind of a um, a more concise definition than me rambling on <laughs> so uh, gaslighting is a verb, and gaslighting is a form of emotional abuse that abusers use to confuse and shift blame on to the victim. This often causes victims to doubt their sanity and feel like they are responsible for the abuse themselves. The term gaslighting actually originates from the 1944 film Gaslight in which these tactics were used to control the victim throughout the entire film. Well, so, and I think the analogy you used for me or example, but you basically explained the film to me and this individual keeps turning the lights lower and lower. Every day, his, just a tiny just bit. Just a little bit. This lady asks him, you know, if there's something wrong with the lights, and he basically is like, no, that's how they've always been. It's totally you. There's nothing wrong. It's your eyesight. Fucked up. Yeah. Sorry. Continue, <laughs> please. So, um, yeah, I just, uh, you know, there's so many unique things uh, that just kind of happen in our, you know, another unique one that I thought was kind of interesting is... Um, Technology empowerment, and that is access to technology, is essential for survivors of domestic violence. Uh, being connected helps enhance safety. It decreases isolation and is a key part of economic well-being and safety planning. Um, you know, hashtag tech safety means increasing safety and, and privacy online. 
Uh, a lot of the apps that are available these days uh, for almost anything that talks about domestic violence, whether it's a brochure or one of the national resource hotlines, they have a, a usually it's a giant emergency X icon that if you are browsing at home and uh, the person who's abusing you opens the front door or whatever, you can click that big red X at any time and it erases the browsing history of, of that website. So, um, so, or it closes it down and it shuts it so right. that there's you, no trace, there's, there's no history. No, it'll, it'll take you to another screen that's filled with like, you know, puppies or, you know, Just pictures of randomness, you know, yeah. Pictures yeah. of wildlife or whatever, <laughs> the mountains, <laughs> maybe it'll take you to Fox news or CNN, but who knows? Mm -hmm. But when that, that, that <laughs> X is there. So, and it's a large icon. So you're not having to scramble to figure out how to close a browser. So I also thought that that was kind of interesting that that's really uh, up and coming in a lot of the technology that's available for people that are trying to escape this situation. Well, and if they're looking for tools to escape the situation, I feel that that's actually really cool. I, I didn't realize that domestic violence groups were offering tools like that to allow resources to individuals who need help so they can get that information, utilize it. And unfortunately, it's extremely discouraging and sad that they have to have a giant red X there that completely shuts down everything and wipes out the history. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's part of that psychology that we discussed where, you know, your every move is being monitored. If you do have technology in the home, your phone is being checked, your laptop or your home computer is being, you know, anytime you use it, you know, your every move is being scrutinized and right. what are you doing? And so, um, yeah, it was ingenious that they, they built this in. And um, so almost all of the websites that I've mentioned um, have that larger X <laughs> icon to, to shut it down quickly. So it looks like, you know, so you can't tell that you've been there. Well, and I mentioned this on the intro and outro, but those resources will be provided on the, the bio for the podcast as well as on the website for the episode. So I'll make sure that those are up to date and that I get those from you. Okay, great. Um, yeah, as I was kind of poking around, like as we've talked about, um, it's been over 20, 20 years. I just, well, not quite 20 years. Let's see. <laughs> I just had my 18-year work reunion for my current job. So I've been in my current job for 18 years. So And I think I took a two-week break off. So it's almost been 20 years since I've been in this field. But even as recent as 10 years ago, I was still volunteering. So, um, you know, I check in on it. I see what's going on. I participate in community events from time to time. Um, I haven't done any actual counseling work or grass, you know, work with victims but I will um, participate in shelter events and sometimes I'll do vigils and I always donate. Um, nice. You, know, you, actually... you still play an active role. It may not be as active as it was 19, 20 years ago, but this is something that you take very seriously. You, you have a lot of heart and time dedicated into this. You have a long history yeah. with this. And, mm -hmm. and again, oddly enough, the way, you know, the, the way our whole podcast, the first episode came about is 
I will talk to people about the fact that I used to work for the police department and they're always kind of blown away. And they're like, well, Wait, what, what did you do? Yeah. Yeah. And I so exactly that conversation, <laughs> yeah, that conversation kind of, you know, so that still happens to this day. And, um, you know, advocacy within police departments is still, you know, huge. I mean, in fact, I think we should have medical advocates, you know, for navigating the healthcare system. We should have, you know, victim advocates for people to navigate the judicial system. We should probably have teen advocates to navigate high school, but you know, not just, not just school counselors, but yeah. Yeah. No. And you know, with as, as crazy as the growth of our country and the world has gotten, those are probably critical resources now more than ever. Well, you know, it's sort of like, as I approach nearing the big five Oh, (laughs) <laughs> I think sometimes that like, okay, well, am I, A, is Social Security and like Medicaid and Medicare, is that going to be around by the time I'm going to need it? And B, yeah. how do you, you know, how do you get through that? You almost you almost have to have somebody to like help you understand what parts you need to, you know, it just seems so daunting. <laughs> it seems know? extremely daunting. Yeah. And Which, on the... Uh... The heels of the big four O myself. Mm-hmm. Those are things that I've been considering and keeping in mind a little bit more and more. And to have an advocate in that situation would be extremely priceless. Right, and and not just having to go to an attorney. You know, somebody who is a layperson who, you know, can kind of, you know, who gets the the crossover between the jargon. The technical jargon and what you need to do and what's really going to best suit yourself. Yeah, and what's practical. You know? yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, they have they have death advocates now, which is really cool, I think. And maybe we'll talk about that sometime, too. That's where nice. people come in and they, they evaluate with you what you want to do when you die. You know, like what's financially feasible? Where do you want to go? Do you want to, How do you want to go? Do you want to become oh. a tree? Do you want to be cremated? Do you want to have a burial plot? You know, like all this stuff. And they really invest, you know, they just, they go over what's legal, what's not legal, and what state you're in, or where you, you know, transportation overseas or whatever. But yeah, and you know, some of that, some of that's kind of, I've been doing a lot of death research lately, but. Should we be concerned? Are you, are no. you right? <laughs> no, no, it's a, it's a pastime. Being an anthropologist is, you know, something that leads me down these really interesting paths of reading material about death culture and um, practices and all kinds of stuff and, you know, mythology and, you know, just, it's That sounds like a whole other episode on its own. (laughs) Yeah. We'll have to have you back for. Uh, Staying on on task with, again, October, Domestic Violence Awareness Month. You mentioned kind of what's changed since 1994. What, What has changed? For the better or the worse, or that you're aware of, or that we should share. Yeah, well, um, interestingly enough. Um, Sorry. <laughs> last time I think we did that in tandem. I think we did. <laughs> um, interestingly enough, sort of on that that topic of um, you know getting older and becoming more aware of one's own personal responsibilities, not only to oneself but one's family. Um, I just did a will and a trust. Um, and part of that is I had to figure out where where everything was going to go and uh, who was going to do what and who was going to 
be responsible for my daughter if um, myself and my part yeah if God forbid my partner and I died at the same time and you know um, my daughter's dad died also you know like what was gonna happen um, so it, it led me so I've been doing a lot of deep thinking about finances and one of the things that I noticed is that uh, financial abuse is actually starting to um, become a hot topic within domestic, uh, within violence. domestic violence yeah uh, because it becomes one of the primary issues when a person is trying to escape um, and so you you know many of us would like to think we could just leave um, if the physical violence or the emotional violence was too bad but financial abuse is kind of one of those core items that's a real uh, means of control uh, because if your partner controls all the money or your spouse controls all the money and you know gives you you know not a, a, a very meager allowance per se or um, checks up on your spending habits um, and criticizes you for purchases made uh, perhaps you're not even allowed to have your own money and your own accounts um, everything is, you know, controlled uh, just by that person and the cards are all coming from their account. So every purchase is clearly monitored and limits are set and yeah. things like that. Um, you know, how are you going to run? Well, and it makes it extremely hard for you to be independent and to leave a situation if you needed to, mm -hmm. if you don't have any money. Yeah. Cost yeah. of living is ridiculous these days. <laughs> Yeah, and, and it's also it's also one of the the primary one of the main factors why uh, women return uh, is because they just don't you know when you're on the run with three kids <laughs> yeah. and your animals you know what are you gonna how are you gonna what do you, and you haven't had any you've been isolated you've been um, you know you may not have a big support network your family could be out of state. And that all kind of ties into some of the psychology that we've talked about right? Um, with the isolation. So, But financial abuse is definitely one of those primary factors that's really not talked about in domestic violence. A lot of people focus on the big, uh, the big news items. You know, somebody was punched in an elevator. Somebody was, you know, kicked out. Um, had their arm broken, they were bruised, they were bad, you know, so right. it's high profile, it's a visceral, it's a visual yeah. thing that we physical, can see. Physical violence. violence. Yeah, physical violence is focus. something we can see. And so people kind of appreciate that concrete definition, if you will, or that, that proof, if you will, that, oh yeah, that's, you know, abuse is clearly happening. Right. Uh, when in reality, financial abuse and emotional abuse can be equally um, as severe and daunting, you know, uh, those two items alone may be enough to prevent somebody from trying to escape a yeah. really, uh, you know, an abusive relationship. Especially if you don't have a, a big support circle, you know, mm -hmm. around you and to help you and to help you realize or identify these issues or concerns to add financial insecurity in addition to that. I can't, I can't even imagine. Yeah, yeah. And so... On that note, I wanted to kind of discuss, you know, like, um, people who, you know, it's kind of some signs, if you will, and, and then we'll talk about the signs of, you know, um, financial abuse. But, you know, uh, 
people who are being abused may have to regularly check in with their partner, you know. You might go out to a movie and they have to check in before you go into the movie and as soon as you get done with the movie. And, like, how much, you know, when you'll be home. Yeah, you know, and I mean, child. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I mean, some of us, um, some may do it out of courtesy, right? Some people, like, um, you know, some people might just have that kind of a relationship. But it goes both ways, right? Like, hey, this is what I'm doing, and we're out of the movie, and we're going to go do this now. Yeah. You know, Which and it's real casual. Relationship yeah, you have that communication. Casual. You yeah. are communicating with your partner. But when your partner requires that, yeah, where where the fuck are you? Yeah, what, what are you doing? Who yeah. are you with? Where are you yeah. going now? Mm-hmm. That's not okay. Or you need to be home now. Like your movie's yeah. over. Your fun is done. You know. Yeah, not okay. Yeah, um, they may receive frequent and harassing phone calls from their partner. So, you know, I just called. You know, I called you fifteen minutes ago and you haven't left yet. Why aren't you home? Yeah, I just call. You know, and then you get another text two minutes later. Have you left yet? You know, so. Repeated things like that. Um, People may wear clothing frequently that's designed to hide bruises or scars, uh, long sleeves in the summer and sunglasses indoors, things like that. Um, They're certainly isolated and they're kind of kept from seeing families and friends. Um, And they have their spending tightly monitored or restricted by their partner. Financial abuse um, may not only include that, but one of the things that's kind of uh, an earlier sign in a relationship is where, or repetitively, they may jeopardize uh, the victim's job. So they'll show up at the job site. And I actually I actually see this kind of repetitively now um, in my current job uh, where we get calls. We have a threat assessment team, which I think we might have covered. I can't remember. I don't believe we do. Um, but so anytime... Shit goes down at one of our offices. Uh, people can call, or we have a code word that's used in our offices, um, and ultimately it makes its way back to a threat assessment team, so we can assess uh, what's going on. And of course, this is this is not meant to replace calling nine one one, you know, or um, have you know having a safety plan in place for workplace violence. Okay. Uh, but we can evaluate people who have made, you know, we get people who might stalk somebody in an office. And it's not just the people that are working in the branch. It's like the people that are temporary associates <laughs> that okay. are out on a job. And it, so really it could be anywhere. And so your partner decides that, you know what, you're too much, that there's too much of an exposure. I can't control you enough by having a job. When I let you go to a job, there's other people who might find out our business and might find out what's going on. And they will actually go in and disrupt people's jobs and get them fired. And they will cause damage to property <clears throat> at their job site. Um, well, it, they will go in and just completely I like make violent that. scenes. Yeah. So they're disrupting the person's inability or they'll, you know, they prevent them from going to get a job in the first place. If they get a job because it's required, if the abuser thinks that <clears throat> there's too much exposure and the potential is there for them to escape or make more money of their own, uh, they will actually go in and completely screw up this person's job. They'll come in and make a scene repeatedly and all kinds of stuff. And if the if the person's employer is not savvy to this stuff, um, then 
more often than not, a person who's a victim will either just quit and give up because they're so embarrassed about what's happened, or they have to be hum- humiliated. They'll be fired. And obviously, that's a serious concern too. Yeah. And this is a perfect example of why you might have a risk assessment. Or how did you phrase it again? Oh, a threat assessment team. Threat assessment team Uh within a corporate entity. But Mm -hmm. to identify those things and bring awareness to them. And and I imagine people on that team would be able to go to the individual and kind of say, hey. Well, and in some states, there are actually laws now that you cannot terminate. Um, If somebody comes to you and discloses, you cannot terminate them for being in an abusive relationship. Good. Uh, it's not in all 50 states. It is probably most prevalent on the left coast. So California, Oregon, Washington, um, a few states on the East Coast. I don't know which states off the top of my head, um, but it is actually illegal to terminate somebody for um, at, if they have disclosed they're in an abusive relationship. Um, As it should be. <clears throat> well, and this all ties in with financial abuse because if, if you are able to get your partner terminated, who you, then they solely depend on you and your income. Yeah. Yeah. And you're trapped. Yeah. So it just leads, it's more of that, it's that further isolation, you know. It's it's truly making them dependent on the abuser. So I never even considered all the, the facets and, and parts of financial abuse. Yeah. Because you think, well... Get a second job or uh-huh. sell some shit or whatever you have to do, but you're shedding a very interesting and concerning light on this topic. Yeah, well, and it, so, you know, um, additionally to be uh, to be excluded from major budget decisions, you know, like you enter a relationship with a a 2018 Toyota Tundra because it's totally amaze balls and it's like the coolest truck you've ever driven. <laughs> And it has all the bells and whistles. <laughs> and, you know, two years later, your, you know, your spouse or your part, your boyfriend or, you know, partner, your abuser has come in and destroyed your life and destroyed your job. And you've been fired and now takes your truck and goes and trades it in for, you know, a Honda Civic that's like a 2002 that has, you know, 50,000 miles on it already, you know. This is your and vehicle And this is your now. vehicle now. You know, and pocketed that cash, you know, but or just, you know, where you you have no say in where you're going to live. You have no say in transportation. You have no say in any sort of uh, larger financial aspect like wills or trusts. Uh, What happens to your own money that you might have brought into the relationship? Um, You're excluded from those. Um, And and family law can still be kind of antiquated. Family law? If you're married, like uh, financial, like when you go see a financial advisor. Okay. Or somebody who who does that. So wills and trusts and estate planning. Estate planning can be kind of antiquated when you're married. And there are still some uh, interesting laws. And I I learned, I don't, I'm not going to be an expert and I'm not a lawyer about this, but (laughs) I learned a whole lot. Yeah. (laughs) Like I learned a whole lot. I was like, wow. (laughs) You know, and so it's really interesting. Like, how do you you know, protect your own money. Um, and just things that we don't really, I don't know, maybe we don't always think about that. It took me a long time to think about that. I never thought about that. And we even mentioned that the the last time we sat down Mm -hmm. very brief. Wow. Very (laughs) briefly. You mentioned 
financial abuse, uh-huh. and we kind of moved along. So it's really cool for you to have this information and to expand on that and share that because, again, my biggest thing is not only educating me and, and bringing awareness to me, but anybody who potentially listens to this and hopefully they're being educated and, and brought awareness as well. So yeah, is there anything else regarding financial abuse you feel like we should know or focus on or, or well, I think it's uh, I think it's really interesting so this uh, website that I found is actually under um, it's under Allstate the insurance company and they've okay. launched a, they've launched a program called the purple purse and um, and purple is the purple is the color, color for, for domestic, domestic violence awareness violence. month yep the purple okay. ribbons and <laughs> yep so anyway they've launched a program called the purple purse and um, they're doing some interesting projects with uh, women artists around the country in some of the major cities, like uh, I think Detroit and L.A. and uh, New York and Chicago and you know more coastal uh, large cities uh, to do some sort of uh, hidden art awareness, some really interesting nice. large-scale murals that um, if you use iPhones moon filter you get a hidden message behind the murals what is iphone's moon moon filter <laughs> i guess it, I, the, the new phones <laughs> of like technology has totally surpassed me already i have a new iphone i don't even know but, but, anyways, <laughs> but so anyway but anyway what you do is you look at it through your phone like if you were going to take an instagram photo or take a photo of right. a mural and you apply this particular filter the moon i think it's the moon filter um it reveals a hidden message in these giant you know, these huge building murals uh, about financial abuse. And it's just kind of to bring awareness that financial abuse is one of those sort of hidden crimes. It's, it's one of those things that's not really talked about. It's It's not, not, you know, it's not real. People aren't really aware. And then they also, um, they partner with a number of other national agencies. Uh, they do not hand out money, (laughs) but they do, but they do um, provide, um, I believe there's a link for um, getting free help on um, like financial awareness, like how to get a grip on your own finances, however little or large they may be, if this is the first time you're having to deal with your own finances, um, to give you financial education, you know, on whether you need to learn how to, I guess people don't really write checks anymore, but to balance a checkbook or balance your statement, yeah. you know, your accounts, if you will. And well, and those are a lot of skills. I think when we were still in school, there there were classes like home ec- economics, and they did teach you to kind of the concept behind farming, not really how to farm, but growing your own food and balancing your checkbook. Oh, I didn't and, get any growing. That would have been rad. Yeah, I needed I sweet. needed that. Yeah, I need I, a farming I class. I <laughs> they talked about it, but uh-huh. they never, it was never hands-on. It was yeah. very short. But, but anyways, yeah. so to, to have resources like that available for financial abuse is... Yeah, I just think that it's kind of, it's neat that yeah. it's kind of making its way to the forefront because it is kind yeah. of a, it is kind of a... a it's nice to see that topic making its way to the front and it's not just the the media headline physical violence you know that we're aware of i mean of course it's all terrible it is uh, all but terrible. this is definitely yes. probably a more subtle you know the more subtle abuses uh often are of course overlooked and they're harder to determine they're oftentimes harder to overcome so okay uh was there anything else on financial abuse you wanted to cover touch base on before no, we move on no i think i just wanted to kind of i thought that would just kind of be interesting because we didn't really 
Uh, we hadn't we really talked about it at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just I thought that that you know particularly the job aspect, um, you know, eroding someone's employment uh, just has such a huge impact on a person's self worth and self respect, and you know it contributes Absolutely. enormously to the isolationism and you know. Um, and that really is like abuse. psychological yeah. warfare. Yeah, at, at uh-huh. its worst. Yeah, yeah. It's fucked up. So. Well, and thank you for, for bringing that uh, information along and allowing us to elaborate on that. Um, outside of that, I think you wanted to mention a little bit more resources or how did you phrase it? Regarding friends and family, if you know somebody in a domestic violence situation, how you can help your friend or family member in that scenario. Yeah, I wanted to talk, I wanted to touch on... Uh, a more practical approach, uh, you know, not just the awareness, um, but what what action steps you can action items you can actually take, uh, what you can say to a person. Um, a lot of times, um, you know, I think we find ourselves. Uh, there's two. I think there's two paths that happen. One is where they're too shy to talk about it. Uh, we might feel like we're going to make, even if we're okay with talking about it, we might feel like if we talk to them, they're going to be embarrassed and run away, you yeah. know, so we kind of clam up and we don't say anything. <clears throat> and the other is, um, well, I think that's probably the biggest issue. Um, or people just don't know what to say. That's kind of the other issue. Well, maybe what they... do you say to somebody who's in an abusive relationship so that they know that A, you're aware, and B, you're not condemning them for staying, for not leaving, for, you know, whatever choices, but just to make your support known and what you can do. So. Right. Well, and, and you might not want to say something because you can say, hey, I'm here. I'm here for you if you need anything. What can I do to help? And they're like, fuck yes. Finally, somebody's reaching out to me. I really need help. Yes. But if I don't know how to help you. <laughs> or you don't know what to say. <laughs> or you don't know what to say. Yeah. What, you know what I mean? I'm not helping the situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're going to hopefully shed some light and elaborate on if you do know somebody in that type of situation, how, mm-hmm. how you can help. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and each situation is different. Uh, everybody, uh, you know, everybody who's involved is going to be different too. So it, it calls for sort of a, a two-way approach. Okay. Um, you know, but one is to set up a time to talk. So whether if you work with this person, see if you can set up a meeting, 15 minutes, you know, get at in, work, at work, you nice. know, isolate, isolated area, privacy, distraction, yep, very exactly. Private. Yep. Okay. Where nobody else, you know, other coworkers are not going to overhear supervisors aren't, you know, may or may not, you know, they're not going to overhear. Maybe you are the supervisor. I don't know. But, um, Yeah. And, and try to do it in person if you can. Um, I understand. I can you know, understand that. You know, yeah. it, it's a, just a lot more meaningful. Well, it comes um, across as sincere and personal. Maybe a little bit of professionalism is in there, but I think sincere and personal. Yeah. Face to face. Hey. Yeah. Can we take fifteen minutes? To try not to chat? go to the. Try yeah. not to go to the bar and talk about it. You know, that it's would be a my serious... first go-to. <laughs> It's, Not it's, lie. I, yeah, I know it's, and part of it's because we all get relaxed and we all appreciate, you know, the, the, the ability to, uh, 
take the edge off and uh ice cold beer yeah you know uh but uh, you know you don't want to have this conversation inebriated by any sense um that's that's a little more challenging so i would i would you know but find a private place if you can a coffee shop uh you know a walk in the park um at work yeah you know something like that okay um let her know that you're concerned about her safety and, and be honest. You know, you can you can express uh, times, like specific instances when you might have been aware of something. Hey, I noticed last Saturday when I talked to you, there was a change in your tone and you seemed extremely upset. Or I noticed your douchebag boyfriend addressed you in this manner, which makes me uncomfortable. Are you okay? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, well, and I think... We made it very clear the first time we sat down that domestic violence is not isolated from a man to a woman. It can be a woman on man violence. Mm-hmm. It can be obviously same male sex to male. partners. Yep. Thank you. Uh-huh. Female to female. It can be a stepbrother or mom's boyfriend or mom's girlfriend, whatever. But mm-hmm. for this conversation, we're focusing on the yeah, on and you just kind of have situation. to yeah, you just kind of have to apply your situation. You know, but the the same principles apply. You just choose your own pronouns. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. I just want to make that yeah. clear. Yes, thank We're you. We're overly supportive of our LGBTQ friends. Yep. Q. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yep. Um, sorry to interrupt. I nope, just want to clarify. Thank you. Outside of setting a time or approaching somebody face to face and trying to set a time to talk about it. Yep. You want to let them know that you're concerned about their safety and their well being. Um, and, and I think it's important to realize that once you have broached that topic, um, the victim may not respond right away. They may be defensive. They may be like, I totally have no, I don't even know what you're talking about. They might tell you to fuck off. Um, they might tell you you're full of shit. You have no idea what you're talking about. Um, and it's important. Everything's fine. We're fine. Yeah. You know, um, so they, they could be defensive, um, and totally deny and, you know, just to reiterate your position of that, you know, I'm glad to hear that things are okay. And, you know, if you ever need to talk about anything, I'm here, you know, just to kind of reiterate it and then drop it. You know, you've nice. made your point and you can do that repeatedly. Just don't do it repeatedly in the same conversation. If you bring it up and you're kind of pushed away and it's denied or somebody gets defensive. Maybe each time you notice something... That would be an opportunity to say. Yeah, depending hey, yeah, on. Uh huh. If you want to grab that coffee. Yep. Let me know. You got my number. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Um. This one's really hard for people, and that is uh, to be supportive. <laughs> it can be difficult. It is really yeah. difficult because, at the best of times, uh, the person we're having this conversation with, typically. Uh, it's not a stranger. It's not an acquaintance. It's a loved one, yeah. whether it be a, a, a longtime friend or a family member or whatever. And so to just be supportive and listen is really, really difficult for a lot of people because our first instinct is to say, get the fuck out. Yeah. You know, you don't deserve this. Just to you show don't, up you know. at your door and grab them by the wrist and say, we're getting the fuck out. Yeah. You know, um, that's where I go. To. Yeah. And so. <laughs> Uh, it's really hard uh, for people that um, for them to talk about their situation. So be patient, be supportive. Don't just immediately insist 
that they do things because by insisting you are then also controlling and you are not allowing them to be empowered to make their own decisions. And psychologically that is huge. I didn't even consider those factors. Yeah, it's huge to allow a person to come to their own realization and make that choice for themselves and to understand what's happening to them. So by subtly introducing it and asking if they're okay and asking if they want to leave or asking if there's something you can do, you're allowing her to make that choice, which is something that's been more or less denied in the abusive relationship. It has to be... Once they can make that choice, it has to be extremely liberating. Yes. To have made that decision on your own. Yes. You know, Heather approached Or any decision talked about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Fuck, she's right. I'm going to go get that coffee. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's important to realize, too, that your help can be, um, it can be subtle and it can be done in little ways. It, it may not be providing $1,000 in a hotel room. Uh, to get away or a bus ticket or a plane ticket. It might be something as simple as uh, providing childcare to go to a job interview while she makes her own plans. Um, It could be something like um, giving somebody a ride somewhere. You know, just I need to get to the grocery store and I can't. Yeah. You know, Um, it's really hard. And I, again, you know, I think we talked about this in extreme cases Um, A lot of times, uh, people who are being abused live almost hour to hour, certainly day by day. You did mention that Um, before. You know, and so to figure out, like, where groceries are going to come from and diapers are going to come from and and that kind of stuff, it might just be more one of, yeah, let me me give you that ride and help you get those groceries home. Nice. And just, you know, that also gives you your 15 minutes to have that conversation. Isolated, private conversation. In a car, yep. Yep. Um, do not place shame, blame, or guilt. You know, and that kind of goes back to the being supportive. Which you can should be difficult. Be there, which can be very <laughs> difficult. situation. Yep, exactly. So it's important to remember that, to, to, to try your best to just listen. If they're willing to talk, to just listen. You know? Yeah. And... Um, one of the action items would be to make a safety plan. We talked about safety planning. We There's safety plans in the, in the resources. Um, also, domestic violence for family members, when, it's been a, when there's been a long history of it and people are kind of wrapped up in it, can be emotionally draining. So remember that while you might take the first of those couple of steps or you might do, you know, the, you know, driving to get groceries or you might do the childcare occasionally or something along those lines, it's important not to burn yourself out because if you're faced repetitively with the same situation where somebody you care about keeps making choices to go back to their partner and ends up repeatedly in the hospital and ends up repeatedly with issue financial issues and or you know just a, a bit all kinds of stuff yeah all the yeah. circumstances is to make sure that um, you're not the only person that they are talking to and try to get them help from people who are in this field you know so don't isolate yourself in terms of being their sole resource yeah. to confide in you encourage to, them you got to take care of yourself I was just gonna say you still have to Take care of yourself in order to take care of other people. That's right. Um, first rule of first aid. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So yeah, and it, it can just become it, it's it's hard. It's emotionally draining. It's emotionally frustrating. Um, so it's important to get them to the right resources and and people, you know, to talk to. So, um, if a person decides to stay in an abusive relationship, be supportive. How in yeah. the fuck? <laughs> and I, I, part of my language. How in the fuck do you do that? <laughs> um. You can you can acknowledge that um, what's going on in the relationship. What if it's your brother that's the abuser? Well, if it's my brother. Well, <laughs> but that, that case in point. Yeah. If it's your brother, you might have the conversation. But a lot of times, it's the woman or the victim who's being blamed for not leaving like why why do you stay with him you know yeah. what's going on and instead yeah you hear it all the time why don't so, you just leave yeah if it's mm-hmm. that easy and, but abusers are people too <laughs> as much as we fucking hate it that's fair it's hard because um these are human beings and they're human beings that have their priorities and their decisions uh, upside down and backwards and inside out uh, but they are humans and they're people and, and they are loved. They're loved not only by their spouse or partner, they're loved by their kids. They're loved by their other family members. They're animals. They're animals, oh, sort of, unless they're afraid of them. But, um, it's, I didn't even consider that. It's just yeah. definitely one of, um, is the person really bad or are they making bad choices, bad decisions repetitively, you know, because it, it, and it just, it's one of those things that's, uh, it's really hard to look past and to realize that even if you really hate the abuser, like maybe you really just hate them and maybe they really are just a scumbag, but you still love your person and you, you know, the victim and you want to be supportive. And so you need to maintain that connection. You need to maintain that positivity of saying, I understand you've made this choice. I want you to know that I disagree with it, but I love you and I support you. And I will be here for you, you know, and just leave it at that. Um, But don't blame. We all want to blame. You know, we want to blame somebody for this, you know, this really fucked up action. And typically it's easier to blame the victim than it is, you know, why is it easier to blame the victim than it is to blame, like, why isn't the person who's doing and committing the violence being blamed? Why aren't they being held accountable? So it's really important to start shifting that ideology onto the person who's perpetrating the abuse, in my opinion. You know, that's where, that's where it needs to, to lie. It doesn't need to be like, why don't you leave him? Why don't you just get out? It's like. Why are you beating this shit out of your girlfriend? Yeah. Why, you know, what's going on? What the fuck is the matter with you? <laughs> and at what point do you, you know, at what point, you know, when people say things like, well, she's violent too, you know, it's like, that it's is not, not an excuse. It's not <laughs> yeah. a justification. That's it's not, not an excuse. Yeah. That's unacceptable reply. Yeah. In my opinion. No, in my opinion as well. But that's that's a lot of what you hear. So it's really important yeah. to remember to be supportive when people choose to go back. It's hard. That's hard. It is. I'm it's shaking really hard. my head disagreeingly, <laughs> but, but I do agree. 
Yeah, it's you're much it's, more knowledgeable on this topic than I am, so I will heed your advice in these situations. Yeah. What else can we do as friends or family members who are aware of somebody we care about in a domestic violence situation? Continue to try to do things, like continue to try to do things, like get coffee or go see a movie. It don't stop inviting them. It bec- again, it become over a long period of time. It's very difficult to end an abusive relationship once somebody's been in one for a while. Yeah. So it's a long process to get out. So. Don't stop inviting. Don't give up on your friend. Don't give up on your family member. Unfortunately, there may be, it's not going to be an overnight change. Yeah. And where you've offered help and extended a hand and made it clear that you're aware of the situation and supportive regardless of their decision, mm-hmm. don't stop picking up the phone and right. reaching out. And the same the same holds true for when they decide to leave because they uh, when people decide to leave an abusive relationship, that is one of the most vulnerable times. Not only physically for their safety, but emotionally for them. They are they have been isolated. Uh, they haven't, you know, been able to really reach out and connect with people. So it's important for them to have somebody that they trust, um, that they can have a connection with, yeah. you know, to do And at do the things. very least, confide in. Absolutely, to talk. Um, you know, they might need help. You know, once they leave, it's important to continue to maintain that. Do you need help? You know, can I give you a ride somewhere? If you don't have your own transportation, it just things that we take for granted all the time. Yeah. Um, hey, here's so cont- 20 bucks. Yeah. You know, let for me you. take, let me take your kids for a couple of hours. Nice. I like that. <laughs> That's a huge That's one. Awesome. Yeah. yeah Childcare is huge. So, um, that's definitely something, you know, just to give them the opportunity to be alone with their own thoughts. <laughs> they may not want to be, but that's part of the healing process is just to be like, just to have some peace and be in a safe place and, and realize that they don't have to still be responsible for another, you know, another being yeah. and to just be able to breathe um, and feel safe. You Holy know? shit, this is my time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's huge. Yeah, it is. It's really huge. Um, Yeah, it just, it's, um, so those are some real practical things and how you can actually approach and be honest, you know, and be gentle, be Be tactful and be patient. Tactful. I like that. Yeah. That's a good state of mind to be in. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you, at certain levels, um, kind of lost my train of thought. The computer went to sleep. I'm trying to wake it up. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, maybe we should take a break, stretch our legs for a moment. You did provide me with a movie clip, which I didn't get the chance to ask you for in episode one because I literally had no fucking clue what I was doing. Hopefully my shit's a little bit more together. Does that sound good? We'll take a quick break. Let's do that. We'll come back. Sounds good. Right on. I like you, my gifts. Does the gun not please you? No. (laughs) Can you speak so of your bridal gun? I've found my true mate. And you know it. Never. Beneath the skin, we are all ready. 
Does it not your sin trap the unicorn? Even now, the evil seed of what you've done germinates within you. No. You lie. You disgust me. You're nothing but an animal. <laughs> we are all animals, my lady. back we took a little break we stretched our legs for a little bit uh chatted with jackie in the other room but while we were gone we listened to a little clip from legend first time i had you on i didn't ask you for a movie clip we snuck the james bond theme into our episode because i think that was your ringtone and george was calling you your yeah. good partner <laughs> uh but i was really excited to actually get a movie clip from you and to utilize it and throw it in the episode so on the lighter note briefly why that clip and yeah let's go from there uh i am a huge tim curry fan likewise <laughs> uh i actually saw uh the rocky horror picture show in madison in like 1976 as a kid damn in this <laughs> in this old old theater and uh i want to say like 80 percent of the theater was participating in audience participation with the movie which is awesome if you've never experienced a rocky horror picture show live you're missing out and yeah you're doing yourself an injustice yeah it's extremely fun <laughs> and uh my older sister was also a tim curry she had a she had the a picture album a, a vinyl album of the soundtrack that had Tim Curry's face on it when we were growing up in the 80s. Dr. Frankenfurter? Yeah. Nice, hell yeah. Yeah, it was a class. It was a collector's <laughs> edition of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And it's not just that. I mean, I've loved him in Clue. Uh, I've seen him. Um, he was in something recently that was like a... Um, I want to say he was in like one of the Sherlock episodes. Uh, oh, not BBC Sherlock? Yeah, nice. uh-huh. And uh, just lots of plays and weird outtakes. Today I saw a crazy-ass outtake of some song that he did that's all about the witch. And it's like pre-green screen uh, special effects. And it's like he's wearing, he's in like a tuxedo shirt. And he has exactly a fat tie. Yeah. And he's got the cape on. I want to say it was a Disney special. Yeah, I, could be wrong, I think so. But it was a lawn milk. Yeah, thing, and it's just like, uh, you know, just his uh, his whole demeanor and kind of the the evolution of Tim Curry is just fascinating to me. And He's a know, brilliant actor. Yeah. All-time favorite uh -huh. of mine. And yeah. I think Rocky Horror Picture Show, first time I watched it was on uh, Halloween. I was probably 12 or 13. For some reason, my I don't know if my parents had friends over or whatever, but they were like, watch TV in our room, we're hanging out, doing <laughs> our thing. And Rocky, Rocky Horror Picture Show was on. And at, at that stage of my life, being that young and being like, what the fuck is this? This is amazing. Yeah. And I remember my mom like came in to check on me. And I'm overly confident she saw me watching Rocky Horror Picture Show. I was like, oh, you're fine. Yeah. You're fine. <laughs> the Legend is a phenomenal movie. It is. And, and I can't remember the actress's name that's in that scene. Phenomenal actress. Is it Mira Sorvino? I believe it is Mira Yeah. Thank you. 
Tom Cruise, one of his first movies. Yeah. Jack and uh, the elves and everything with the unicorn. And I was stoked on that clip. And I'm really yeah. happy you chose it. And Tim Curry's phenomenal. Bill Skarsgård does a, a good job in playing Pennywise the Clown. Mm-hmm. But I think Tim we Curry's, all know it's Tim Curry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> beep, beep, Richard. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else regarding Tim Curry or any of his pieces of work or legend in particular that you want to chat about? Oh, um, <clears throat> I don't know. That clip just appeals to me because I think it's a... Uh, it's an interesting seduction piece. I always like to think I'm a bad girl, <laughs> but I'm really not. And uh, that kind of, uh, just the whole illusory effect of, it, it encapsulates like every sort of mythological fantasy I had as, as a young girl myself and the books that I was into and what I was reading and what I grew up with. And that movie is sort of the epitome Nice. You know, I wanted to be her. <laughs> and I wanted to be tempted by Tim Curry as, you know, as as darkness. And, uh, yeah, it's just this um, deep-seated sort of mythology thing that burns within me. And I, that clip right there just sort of says it all. That's like To me, it's the crux nice. of the movie. I love it. Yeah. That, that's phenomenal. For me, I never knew if I wanted to be Tom Cruise's character, mm-hmm. Jack, or Tim Curry's character, the devil. Darkness. Well, he's darkness. Or darkness. Thank yeah. you mm-hmm. for the correction. I appreciate that. Um, no, that that's a great movie. And and again, I'm really excited to be able to get a clip from you this time, put it in the episode, talk about it for a minute. But October's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. That's what we're talking about. What what can you tell me has changed in the last twenty years that we brought up in the first part of the, the podcast? That's an excellent question, LJ. Why, thank you. <laughs> Let's talk about what's changed <laughs> since 1994. Um, I, I do, I think, I, w- I wanted to really kind of end on a positive note. You know, I, this can be such a, an emotional topic uh, for a lot of emotional, reasons. emotional, extremely depressing. Uh, yeah. And well said for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Um, and so it's interesting that um, we certainly have... Uh, more uh, more resources to address and prevent domestic uh, abuse. Um, we've expanded the network of rape crisis centers and domestic violence shelters. So they're, they're, they're all connected, you know, within a state, in the state of Utah, um, all the shelters come together and, and have an annual conference and nice. they talk about what's, you know, they talk about specialty issues that are happening. You know, if you're in Payson or if you're in, you know, the middle of nowhere, I'm trying to think of like the, if you're in Levan, Utah. Wow, Levan, Utah. Uh, okay. so where, where do you go? You yeah. know, so rural Absolutely. issues versus metropolitan issues. Um, and the, the support the support issues and the things they talk about and, and uh, what happens are vastly different than what happens in metropolitan areas. So um, it's interesting that they're all connected. Domestic violence is the same, but it can also be very different and the issues being faced by people in different types of communities. So, but the fact that they're networked and they can share um, information, resources, uh, new ideas, 
um, and, and push that, that ideology and that support forward. Um, so it's just, you know, it also, uh, we established the National Domestic Violence Hotline. So now nationally, anybody can call that number 24-7. And it is nice. staffed, and they will get a live person. This isn't push one if you have this issue. <clears throat> push two if you have this issue. They you actually know. get somebody on the phone who yeah. can mm-hmm. help them navigate yeah. their mm-hmm. situation and get the resources they need. And I, and I Oftentimes, believe... it'll pro- they'll probably be, you know... Oftentimes, they will probably be redirected to another agency that's closer to home. But that's the whole point, that's is huge. if you don't know where to go, yeah. this is your starting point. And it's a starting point for everybody in the country. Well, and I think, you know, I, I mentioned several times between the, the first time you were on the podcast and on this episode that the, those resources are available on my web domain and within mm-hmm. the bio of the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Maybe now is a good time to actually plug that number. It's a toll-free number, 1-800-799-7233. That's awesome. Perfect. Yeah, thanks for doing that. Well, I think if anybody's listening that doesn't have a chance to go to the website, Yep. 1-800-799-7233. Great. Sorry. Can nope, that's please awesome. Please continue. Yeah, um, so the Violence, uh, Violence Against Women Act also um, provided funding for outreach efforts that did things like crime prevention, but it also did an enormous amount for bringing curriculum to uh, youth education and awareness for things like teen dating violence. Um, And so, you know, trying to, trying to break that pattern before it even gets established, you know, helping the youth to understand, you know, what it's like to have a healthy relationship and what's not okay. Uh, and I think we kind of we also touched a tiny bit on that because I had done some I had done some classroom cu- curriculum and and taught some classes, um, in a in a high school psychology class was brought in as like a guest speaker to talk about some real basic issues and, um, you know so but VAWA actually has programs that are available and um, you know implementing safety measures on tra- uh, public transportation, and uh, requiring the government to actually conduct further and deeper research into domestic violence so that we have a better better understanding of the scope of the issue in as a whole and and how we can you know begin to bring this around um to to stopping it you know and ending it um which i know i asked you on the last episode that you were on what what can we do to not only bring awareness to this but what actions can we take to do something constructive to help stop it yeah and now we've talked about some of those things like you know really it's a it's a personal intervention you know it's 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 reaching out to the victim um you know reaching out and talking to abusers is an entirely separate podcast yeah (laughs) which hopefully i mean you came back once yeah we we could definitely yeah we could could probably talk about that um but interestingly enough, uh, the Department of Justice um, recorded that domestic violence rates dropped 64% from 1993 to 2010. That's huge. So if you Wait think a about second. it... How much? Yeah, 64%. So you can Holy imagine shit. what was going on in the 70s, like when Farrah Fawcett did the burning bed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if anybody's going to know. If anybody knows who, <laughs> what that movie is, kudos to you. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so 64% drop. Now, I don't have a comparative figure to find out where we are 
today. Okay. Um, in relation to that 64% or in relation to 1993, you know, I don't, but I thought that was an interesting statistic that just uh, that short span of time and the fact that this act was passed and uh, was funded. However, it was interesting to note that um, it was, um, it was not passed during the previous ending presidency. So when Obama was on the way out, uh, the Republicans voted not to um, renew the act, but it has subsequently what? been... I'll, there's more information on Sorry. that. I've got that here. But um, we're more comfortable talking about domestic violence. It's a topic that's acceptable. Um, you know, even 20 years ago, it was... Um, that's between them. Mind your own business. They yeah, it was a private house, family so matter. It was it was right, a private family right. matter, and we don't talk about it. So just the awareness of it all is, you know, the fact that we're doing a podcast on domestic violence. Our second podcast. Our second podcast <laughs> on domestic violence, thank you, uh, is huge. You know, so just the fact that we're more comfortable talking about it will help to end it. Nice. Just in our society in general. Um, we're better recognizing the diversity of survivors' experiences, and I think that's kind of interesting that, um, you know, the latest iteration made some important updates to the original 1994 law. It expanded protections for Native American women by giving uh, tribes greater tribal authority to actually prosecute abusers, and there are greater, um, there are greater laws um, to protect LGBTQ individuals from being discriminated against, from seeking shelter in domestic violence shelters. Um, and then additionally, the, a big one is ensuring that um, people's immigration status can't be used against them um, if, they have, um, if they have sought shelter. They can't just be deported. They have to, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing, and again, it would be, it, it's much longer, but they can't be exploited in their, you know, if they go to court for a protective order. That actually order, had it, happened it, in the past? Oh, yeah. People would just be rounded up. Um, they would show up for a hearing about a crime that had been committed against, a violent crime that had been committed against them, and they would be, you know, sent for deportation. Um, you know, because they up. showed up for a protective order hearing or, you know, yeah. uh something to do with child protective services or whatever. So their, their immigration status can't be exploited against them any longer. Um, Good. We've, you know, things uh, that, that have been updated, you know, technology, cyber stalking has been included as part of a crime and, and stalking issues. Um, so we've made some huge strides. Um, it's interesting that um, the immigration status... And I'm not going to, I don't want to get too political, but it was the sticking point for many Republicans who refused to pass uh, the expanded version of the Violence Against Women Act in 2013 um, and allowed the law to lapse in the first time since its 1994 passage. Um, however, last, the, uh, in February of 2014, Congress finally reauthorized the Violence Against Women Act uh, with the protections for diverse um, groups of victims impact. Awesome. So, yeah, I mean, it's awesome that that's, um, you know, we've in, enacted more legal protections for victims. Uh, we've strengthened the federal punishments for those crimes. Um, for example, spousal rape is now treated just as seriously as stranger rape across the country. Good. So that's a huge, that's, that was kind of a huge one because 
even when I was working for the police department, it was still legal for a, a husband to rape his wife under statutory That's law. So fucking <laughs> asinine. I know. It makes it. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. We're focusing on the positive. Yeah. Good changes. Yeah. Yeah. So. I'll be quiet. Um. Yeah. It's just uh. You know. So they've also. You know. It also provides funding for uh, law enforcement officers, prosecutors, and judges, so they'll be- they'll better be able to address the issues that come that do come forward in court. So, um, yeah, so huge strides since the 1990s when it really became a public awareness issue. You know, we nice. were we were we were ready. The to conversation be done with it. was started. The conversation was started, and and it has managed to strike a chord and with enough people that we are saying that it's not okay no matter who you are yeah you know family. And it's not okay yeah. and it's not okay yeah so um yeah so some good things are happening um in in that in that front and continue to happen so and this is one of those fine examples is uh, you know you uh carving out an episode for me to come and be able to talk and and share you know, this information, it's, uh, you know, I think it's important. And it's one of the small things I feel like I can, can contribute with, you know, is sharing information and resources about this. Um, we all have friends and family members who struggle with this, even if there might be an acquaintance or a second cousin, you know. Yeah. It could you be, know it could be your parents. You know still somebody with an issue like this. Yeah. Well, and it's huge for me because, and it's really all thanks to you and for actually starting this conversation with me over a year ago and in bringing awareness to myself and me realizing how in the dark I was with this and how important it was to have this conversation and to continue to have this conversation. At times it may be uncomfortable, it may not be what you want to talk about, but we need to talk about it. And, yeah. and help those people in those situations in any way, shape, or form that we can. So whether it's a, a hashtag on Instagram, whether it's wearing a purple ribbon, whether it's putting up with LJ and coming over to my house <laughs> and sitting down and bullshitting with me about it for a little while. But I, I really do appreciate you. I love you. It means a lot to me as I get choked up over here to have you come over and, and have a serious uncomfortable conversation about a very very serious topic yeah i appreciate the opportunity as Um, always so thank you and again i I love you and appreciate you um i do want to poke fun at myself because i think on the last podcast i said the ywmca on the intro to this podcast i said the wyca for the love of god i'm reading it on my cheat sheet ywca Young Women's Christian, Christian Association. Association. Yep. Thank you. Um, with that said, is there anything you want to close with? Is there anything else you want to share with our listeners? Or do we just want to call it a wrap? And No, I think it's, uh, I think it's great. And, you know, hopefully this, uh, these conversations contribute to the edification and the education of all of us to be a better human being to, to those we love. Fucking badass. Get another high five on the mic. That was one. Oh, that's another one. There it is. <laughs> Thank you, Heather. Thanks, LJ. And that's another episode of the podcast. I really appreciate Heather taking time to 
again, sit down, bring awareness and, and educate me on this topic. I hope that we've brought awareness and helped inform some of my listeners on this subject of domestic violence. Again, there are resources at my website, deadserialpodcast.com, in the bio for this episode. If you need help, please seek those resources and utilize them. I do have two more episodes planned for the month of October. Stay tuned. I do appreciate everybody who follows the companion Instagram account for the podcast. You can find that on Instagram at dead underscore serial. It's not super active, but there are updates and some content there. Go check it out. Uh, Outside of that, I'll leave you tonight with one of my favorite Misfits songs, and I'll see you soon. (laughs) 